clendenning the United States on petition for writ of certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit. The petition for a writ of certiorari is denied. Justice Thomas dissenting from denial of certiorari. While stationed at Camp Lejeune, Gary Clendenning allegedly was exposed to toxins and contaminated water. He later died of leukemia. Gary's widow, petitioner Carol Clendenning, then filed this tort suit against the United States. For most plaintiffs like Carol, the Federal Tort Claims Act, FTCA, waives the United States' sovereign immunity and allows for recovery. Nevertheless, the district court determined that Carol's suit was barred by Ferris v. United States, 1950, which held that military personnel cannot sue the United States for any injury incident to military service, even if the FTCA would otherwise allow the suit. Affirming, the Court of Appeals noted that criticism of the Ferris Doctrine abounds, but it left to this court the prerogative of overruling its own decisions. We should accept the invitation. As I have explained several times, Ferris should be overruled. The FTCA renders the United States liable to all persons, including servicemen, injured by the negligence of government employees. The Act expressly accepts only a specific class of military-related claims, those arising out of combatant activities during time of war. Nothing in the Act bars suits by servicemen based on their military status alone. Yet in Ferris, this court invented an atextual, policy-based carve-out that prevents servicemen from taking advantage of the FTCA's sweeping waiver of sovereign immunity. Ferris heartily deserves the widespread, almost universal criticism it has received. I write yet again to highlight the consequences of this court's refusal to reconsider Ferris. The lower court's attempts to apply Ferris's incident to military service standard are marked by incoherence. One might be surprised to learn, for example, that a serviceman's exposure to excessive carbon monoxide at Fort Benning is not incident to service. But exposure to contaminated drinking water at Camp Lejeune is. Or that the dissemination of personal materials stored on a military base by fellow servicemen is not incident to service, 
but a West Point cadet's rape by a fellow cadet is. Far from limiting Ferris, this court has embarked on a course dedicated to broadening the Ferris Doctrine to encompass, at a minimum, all injuries suffered by military personnel that are even remotely related to the individual's status as a member of the military. This expansion has led to further distortion and incoherence in our jurisprudence. Take, for example, Air and Liquid Systems Corp. v. DeVries, 2019. There, manufacturers provided the Navy with asbestos-free equipment, to which the Navy subsequently added asbestos, allegedly causing cancer in servicemen descendants. Yet the Navy's immunity under Ferris led us to twist traditional tort principles to allow for recovery against the manufacturers. The force of Ferris thereby distorts even long-standing principles of tort law. Further, Ferris's professed concern with military discipline is anomalous if not downright hypocritical, against the backdrop of military law more generally. We preclude run-of-the-mill tort claims that are remotely related to military status because of their potential to undermine military discipline. But we have never held that military personnel are barred from all redress in civilian courts for constitutional wrongs suffered in the course of military service. To the contrary, servicemen routinely sue their government and bring military decision-making and decision-makers into court, seeking injunctive relief. For example, we recently left in place an injunction that dictated personnel decisions to the Navy. Apparently, the court cares about the chain of command when considering money damages suits against the government, but our concerns evaporate when servicemen seek injunctions against their superior officers' personnel decisions. That is completely backwards. Injunctions and regulations tell people what they must do and what they must not do. And it is these types of intrusions that would entangle courts in military affairs. By contrast, tort judgments do neither of these things. If military discipline is not sufficiently harmed by judicial decisions countermanding military personnel choices, it is difficult to see how Ferris's concern with preserving the chain of command has any validity. It would be one thing if Congress itself were responsible for this incoherence, but Congress set out a comprehensive scheme waiving sovereign immunity 
that we have disregarded in the military context for nearly 75 years. Because we caused this chaos, it is our job to fix it. We've reached the end of the opinion. If you'd like to request a particular opinion to be read on the show, or you just want to say hello, navigate your way to the show's website at whatscotusrotus.podbean.com and click on the Contact tab. Until next episode, thanks for listening to What Scotus Wrote Us. <laughs>